On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered, the News Corp Cricket Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Mensel, and it's been another week of head-scratching by Australian cricket fans. Now, joining me to go through this tumultuous week, I have Pete Lawler, Chief Cricket Writer for the Australian Newspaper, appears regularly on the Offsiders on ABC, and I think in his core resides a rebellious soul. How are you, Pete? Uh, yes, yes, quite good, thanks, Manus. Yes. I put a Victorian cap next to your chair to get you in the mood. The great but, Dean Jones cap. Y- exactly. How good is that? And I didn't steal it, Dino. And the other panellist is Ben Horn, the cricket writer from the Daily Telegraph, and his quiet and unassuming nature masks a killer writer who continually breaks the biggest news in Australian cricket. How are you, Benny? Not too bad, thanks, Manus. Yeah. Not that big, his news. Not that often. <laughs> it's the two of you, between the both of you. Thank I you. knew you'd have something to say about that one, Pete. It's a, yeah, it's a rarity. Yeah, no, yeah. Pete has been writing up some of the stuff from the last show, so thank you, Pete. Uh, that was the Sixers show, got a mention in the back page of The Australian. That yeah. was a good story. was a good story. Which one was that? Sorry. About um, O'Keefe and Cheadle on Smith's Span. Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah, you got him out. You got Sock out, lured him out of his cave on that one. Yeah, look. Lured great... him out of Manly. Did he come up here to your bedroom? Uh, no, we did it at the SCG. Um, only privileged few get to enter the mensal bedroom. <laughs> Would you be trusting sock in your bedroom? <laughs> I'll let that one go through to the keeper. All right, we have a lot to talk about in today's show. Uh, we're going to talk about the allegations leveled at the Australian cricket team and one play in particular. I'm continuing my review into Australian cricket, which is wholly transparent. Also have a look a bit at the media news. And maybe if we have time, I'm going to tell you too about the day when Bob Simpson caught me out and uh, in an embarrassing situation. Before we get into all the big news, the CPL's finished, Ben. Did you watch any of it? Not a single delivery. I think the only thing I saw was... A couple of highlights of Dave Warner getting out LBW when it hit his bat and Steve Smith uh, walking before being given out. And I think that was about a month ago. <laughs> Chris Lynn played, didn't get a run. But yeah. Simon Kadich's team won. And Farwood Ahmed's team, the Trinbago Night Riders. That's right. TKR. Farwood Ahmed is quietly putting together a very strong case to play 2020 cricket for Australia again I've got to say Even impressive over cricket impressive record yeah if they are looking for a bit of a point of difference for the world cup it'd be a gamble but his his performances are very strong it wouldn't go unnoticed there either because you'd think that Justin Langer would be talking to Simon Caddish they're pretty close in fact they do talk so his performances would be noted. Now, who knows what the selectors are looking at if the last week is anything to go by. Um, 
<laughs> interesting though that you know people say oh T20 cricket's a bit of a circus but if you watch the passion in the Trinbago team when they won the title yesterday in front of their home fans in Trinidad to see Colin Munro running around the boundary I mean the the players are really love the format so you know you can say it's sort of um, uh, there's a lot of it but they're still very passionate about it and uh, also in the last all the excitement of the circus mate. Well, exactly. Yeah. Who doesn't love the circus? Steve Smith got married on the weekend, former Australian captain. Still strange to say that. And I guess one positive from his ban is he doesn't have to go to the UAE on his honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. He's got to go to Sutherland instead. Which... You know, one, one real positive out of this is that Steve Smith's getting a chance to have a crack at life, not yeah. as a cricketer. Mm. You know, a few months off. They're real. That's gold in an Australian cricketer's life. Yeah, and I think the the real reality of this ban will set in, I guess, this weekend when Steve Smith's playing first-grade cricket in a small ground and he'll just be in amongst it again. I think both Warner and Smith are really going to feel the ban a little bit more. Well, it was interesting actually hearing from Warner because he said he went up he went up to Darwin or Tiwi Islands to play some months back. Mm. And when he came and said... I'd actually forgotten how much fun cricket was. Was one of the things, and he, he said he really enjoyed that passion of playing in those small t- with small. That's right. It was in the Darwin Cup or something. Strike league, yeah. Thank NT you. Strike league, yeah. He said just that playing all over small time cricket times. again. You know the passion that people at that level have for it, and mm. and how it sort of roll roll your sleeves up and get things done. So mm. it, yeah, he said it was a really positive experience. Came back quite excited. Well, I hope the grey cricket does the same for them then. Yeah, it's a difficult one. I mean, I think ideally you would look at it like a real chance to freshen up and time away from cricket, but I'm not sure that's how Steve Smith feels about it. You know, I think there's an element of feeling a bit lost that cricket has been such a part of his life for oh, so long. No doubt. Yeah, there's no doubt a, about that. You know, it's yeah. a tricky. It's a very tricky balance between getting away from it and getting too far away from it. Well, I was just even pleased just to see him have a beer alone in New York, you know. Just even, you know, a little snatch of life, even if in such dark circumstances. Yeah, and I think getting out and playing in the CPL with some of the young players from all around the world, I mean, you batted with shy hope. You know, these players that don't have the opportunities that he's had would be an eye-opening experience. But let's let's kick things off with the biggest news in world cricket. And Pete Lawler didn't miss this morning in the Australian when... You wrote about the well. What was the headline? The bullies and bores of Australian cricket. Um, I don't write the headlines. I know, but yeah. And it results from the claims by England or around a Moeen Ali that he was called Osama by an Australian player during the 2015 Ashes. Uh, I guess. I mean, let's start off with the allegation from Moeen Ali. Do you think it was right for him to go public with it if he wasn't willing at the time? to to go public with it then? Well, I mean, it's hard to say whether it's right or wrong. It's his prerogative to put what he wants in his book in his book. It's not going to achieve a whole lot, I don't think, in terms of if you're not going to name the player, there's not much that either England or Australia can do about it now. But as Pete um, very correctly pointed out today, it's just, I guess, further evidence, uh, not so much... um, this this incident in particular, but Moeen's other comments about how he perceived the Australian team and their attitude, that, you know, it's more cause for reflection that what happened in South Africa didn't happen overnight. It's something that built up over a number of years and, um, you know, really deteriorated to that. Yeah, to that yeah you're right. And, and the point of my article was, you know, 
that incident about calling somebody Osama is um, is eye catching. But the, my point was about the fact that he said the only team in cricket he doesn't like playing against he doesn't like sorry is the Australian team. Now that's not isolated. I've noticed that. I've noticed the temperature and the contempt and the attitude to Australian cricket leading up to South Africa. It was making me feel really uncomfortable that former players, commentators, people around the game, coaches did not like the Australian cricket team. They had no respect for them at all as people or for the way they played the game. In fact, some of them viscerally hate them. And that's a worry. I don't know what. And I'm sort of examining Am I being Pollyanna here? But I want the Australian cricket team to be liked. I want them to be respected. And they're not. Yeah. Do you think that. Do you, do you oh, think I totally agree. Harsh? I mean, yeah. you go through yeah. the teams England, South Africa, New yeah. Zealand, I guess you could argue India have all had major, major issues with the Australian team. And the, the Indians wouldn't behave. drink with them. Remember? Mm. So with yeah. that, though, at the end of the. England-India series just completed. The two teams didn't have a beer together either. So yeah, is that yeah, an so. indictment on the English team's culture? I or mean, the Indians. Well, yeah, okay. That, so I just don't know if but, being right, liked well, by the opposition okay, is Okay, well, you important. take the drinking off the table. The Indian team had, like, very college just didn't rate the Aussies during that team. That was a pretty hot series, wasn't mm. it? You know, I mean... Colin's not, he, one, not one to point the finger. I mean, he's as rough and... Dislikable as anyone. Whatever, and the Indians can look after themselves on that front. I'm talking about the Aussies, mm. and they didn't make any friends on that series either. They're, they're, there's a disrespect for Australian cricket. Once upon a time, there was a grudging respect for Australian cricket, and once upon a time, you could have said, oh, well, that's because we beat them all the time. We're better than them. Well, don't beat them all the time. Not better than them, and they don't respect you. Uh, yeah, look, I mean, in some ways, we've got this cultural review that's going to be handed down in the coming weeks maybe even sooner and th- this this just shows how important that this is going to be this review i mean we all hope that this review is done properly and thoroughly but this incident shows that what happened in south africa in a sense wasn't isolated even though the ball tampering might have been this sort of snowballing of, of poor behavior and not being accountable has gone on for quite some time so look this review is is very important i think and and this just highlights that yeah, and I think one distinction that Moeen Ali made was that on individual on on an individual basis, he doesn't think the Australian players are bad blokes. He just, as a team, when they get together, mm. um, they're disliked. Now, the only thing I would like to say about your article, Pete, is mm. it was spot on. But you know, you're talking about the South African ex players cheering at the back of the commentary box when Australia got busted ball tampering or high fiving. Mm. I mean, I can't take it from the South Africans. They are serial. Bad offenders of bad behaviour, ball tampering, you know, allowing people in with Sonny sure, Bill Mars sure. during the series. So I take that with a grain of salt. And but what I'll, I'll tell you, that, I'll tell you, there is no team in world cricket that the South Africans loathe more than the Australian team. But I think that's more than just the way we are. The, the two teams needle each other more than anyone, and it's a two-way street. It has been since they were readmitted, going right back to the early nineties. Yeah. But I, I tried to think about where I think Australian cricket went wrong, where this sort of cultural thing has gone awry. And I think it actually goes all the way back to 2007 when we lost McGrath, Warren and Langer at the SCG. A couple of years later, we lost Gilchrist. I think a year later, we lost Ponting. And from there, 
The Australian cricket team started to lose its identity. They were so used to winning for 15 years and winning everything mm. that when it wasn't like that anymore, there, there was the culture wasn't there to handle it. Uh, you know, there was this expectation that the Australian cricket team was always going to win and the players themselves didn't know how to handle that shift. You, you I mean, you talk about this sort of change of attitude where they tried to be more aggressive. Mm. Happened at the 2013 Ashes when Clark told Anderson... Uh, about his arm mm. uh, happened when they brought Wade back into the team. There's this sort of shift always when we're losing to be more aggressive on the field. Well, I think we play our best think, cricket that way. That was yeah, a mantra, wasn't it? But I think to your point, yeah. Manners, it, it used to come naturally because the side was a very strong side, and therefore the aggression came naturally and felt natural. Whereas Australia becoming a far less powerful team they've felt to compensate for their lack of skill that they've needed to really amp that other side of it up, whereas it used to perhaps be a natural thing. Now they've had to manufacture it. So I think I think you're right. I think that has been an element of it, that the weaker the team's got, the more they've felt they had to, they've had to compensate with their behaviour. So I just think that when this review comes out, the, the sort of hopefully the, sh- the culture shift uh, will be made public and we can all sort of... Yeah. Think- I think it's happening, isn't it? I think that's, that's what Langer and um, mm. what's his own, the new captain Payne, are on about already. I mean, it was a it was a gesture, but good on him for you know shaking hands at the start of that test match, mm. the first test ma- match after the scandal. So they're very conscious of it, and I think Langer's the right the right guy in the right spot to do that. Do yeah. you think don't the you Australian think? cricket yeah. team? I mean, he's had his indiscretions in the is past, a but fl- he's not fair reflection of Australia, though. I mean, that's. That's well, what I think yeah, yeah. is the, the galling part of this. That What, Peter Dutton's Australia, mate? Well, exactly. I yeah, mean, you look, there, there is an element force. of boorishness yeah. in yeah. Australian culture. There is an element yep. of isolationism, um, an ab- inability to see the whole world, and that sort of comes out in our cricket team. Was it in the uh, was it the New York Times that wrote it the other day? The nicest racist you'll ever meet, the Australians? It was one of the American <laughs> papers wrote that. Um, yeah, possibly. Possibly. It's funny, I actually nearly made a border force reference when I was writing that story. But I thought, no, Peter, keep your left-wing <laughs> politics out of it. You did get your bloody AFL reference in here. What was that one? Well, you know, the Australian rules players have a hug at the end after smashing each other for four quarters. That's something I genuinely Something I genuinely like, particularly when an interstate team comes up on a Friday night as in town, the end of the game... You see them actually. They actually make arrangements to go out later, or where to have a drink, or what are you doing on the weekend, and those. And they've been smashing each other the whole game. Always like that bit of the game. But hey, maybe I should be watching the Disney Channel and not uh, Fox Cricket. <laughs> no, I just think uh, that. Uh, can we get a few plugs in for Fox Cricket? They're, they're yeah. coming. Okay, it's good. on in the yeah. background. But that's Aussie. Not the Aussies on Aussies yeah. in the AFL. That's yeah. where I think it's different. Like Aussies can see the difference in going up to someone when, he, when he's batting and saying, you're an F and C, and yeah. then at the end of the day going and having a beer, whereas some other cultures see there's some hypocrisy there. Yeah, and other, and there is. other cultures aren't as comfortable with the C word, are they? You're a- yeah, I mean, it's not a popularity contest, but I think it is sad to get through an entire career and f- discover that no one actually likes you or yeah. respects what you've done. I mean, Yeah, what if the, the whole world thinks you're a shit bloke? 
Am I allowed to say shit? You can, yeah. Let, 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 let's very okay. sweary today. Can we be really sweary? Really sweary. Okay. It's not live anyway, so if it gets too bad. My, mo- my mother always said SH1T. Perhaps we should have stuck with that. <laughs> yeah, he's a real SH1T. Uh, but oh. look, I really enjoyed your article this morning, Pete. Very Thank much you. food for thought about yeah. while this Australian cricket team searches for a new yeah. identity, how they're going to define itself. Yeah. Um, Do you write anything that's worth talking about? Ben? Well, lots. <laughs> ben, no, anyway. there's lots, something to look through. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. Let's get on to Ben. Ben and I spoke last week about the Australian uh, squad that was selected to tour the UAE and play Pakistan. I am still seething about that, <laughs> and it got worse in the days afterwards. So here are yeah. my key concerns. And not only was Maxwell unlucky, but Burns was unlucky, and Chris Tremaine. I don't know how they missed out. But my key concerns are the way Maxwell was misled by whoever that he didn't have to go on this Australia A tour. And then after the selection, a series of mixed messages came out from Langer and the high performance department about hundreds being a measurement, Mm. about 30s being a measurement. And they were both complete with factual, factual errors. And this is maddening because we say there is no logic in their selection and when they actually speak and try and explain their selections, there's no logic. Yeah, look, I 100% agree with you about the treatment of Maxwell. I think the fact that he wasn't allowed to go to the uh, to India for the Australia A side is unfair. I mean, there's no... like he's He is a fringe Australian cricketer. If he wasn't a walk-up start for the UAE, then he should have been on that tour. The rest of it I can't get too upset about because we're talking about guys who are all averaging between 35 and 40 with the bat. We're not. There's no sort of absolute, you know, knockdown option with the ball. I mean, you have to. I think this is this is Justin Langer's first Test team. He deserves the right to, you know, have a few coaches' picks there and, and see how things go. Um, you know, I, I think part of selecting is showing a bit of instinct, and you know, uh, let's judge him. Yeah, but they After go into every played. meeting with a different instinct. I mean, the, the the pecking order of players changes month to month. That's the frustrating thing. You know, in South Africa, the batsmen were... But this is a different... Can I just... Sorry to interrupt, yeah. but... No, go I know... I like interrupting. Exactly what you're saying. <clears throat> you're right. And it's become a massive problem for state cricketers, the messaging that they're getting. Mm. But this is different, this team. This is the first test team picked since Justin Langer took over. Therefore... In a way, I think it, you can understand why a new set of rules sort of applies for this one. You really the, the key with with it, not picking the team but explaining the team is to be very simple in your messages and to be very clear. And they made mistakes. So JL was on hundreds, 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 and everyone got stuck on hundreds because of Maxi. What about if he came in and said, "Tell you what, Maxi's had a lot of chances. I'm off him. He's got to. He's really got to prove himself. If he wants to start." You know, yeah, and someone's. Well, Finch's record's worse. You say, well, Finch hasn't had a chance, so we're going to give him one, and we reckon he's in good form. You know, but if you tr- you try and apply, you, the more you try to rationalise it, the bigger your problem is. And the worst part of it, I agree with you, was at least Lang had been clear with his messages. It was around hundreds, and you know, and and character really. That was the other thing he didn't say, but he he picked a lot of these people on hunch about their character. I don't mind that because it's pretty. Pretty grim times with selection. Yeah, but does that mean Burns and Maxwell have bad characters? No, no. So that's, that's it's because you pick though. one on that, you know. But, but the younger, all, yeah. the, the fringe players mean uh, sort of character gut picks in a way. Where was I going? The real issue was when some 
person who reckons they know better in the high performance department decides to uh, leak a story to the in-house website at Cricket Australia about the real parameter. Don't worry about hundreds. Don't worry about character. Don't worry about what the coach and the selectors have just said. I'll tell you the real stat. It's 30s. I mean, that. Talk about a turd in the pool. You said I was allowed to swear. Um, that just stunk the water up something. And it really annoyed the selectors and the coach, I guarantee you. I'm sure they won't admit it publicly, but they were they would have been furious about that. That person like walking in out of the high-performance department. I mean, no guesses for who it was. I mean, Ben, you had some great articles last week. We spoke to Pat Howard. Did you hear that, Pat? Who? Some great articles last week. Oh, sorry, I tuned out. Yeah. And Greg Chappell. Um, I mean, right. I don't understand because I've been going on in this all summer, so it's not a new thing that the selectors move the goalposts every time they go into a meeting. So they don't seem to put logic in their selections. As I said, people just jump the queue, go to the back of the line, go back to the front of the queue. It's absolutely ridiculous. And when Rod Marsh was sacked as chairman of selectors around that Hobart test... He quit. Okay, he quit. Thanks for that clarification. He quit under lots of pressure. Um, I actually think, if you look back now, these new selectors have done a worse job than Rod Marsh did when he was chairman of selectors. This is an absolute mess. So who would you have picked? Who would you have picked? Well, Maxwell for a start. Yeah. Tremaine. So which bowler wouldn't you have taken? uh, Doggett. Okay. And uh, Burns for Lobbiscagny. Okay. And Maxwell for Finch. So the only... Like, out of what you've just listed, the only one who's going to play is Finch, probably. I mean... If he does the fringe players, yeah. Yeah, like, I, I I understand what you're saying, but we're not talking about leaving Steve War out of the side here. I mean, this is a time where there's no one jumping out of the box. I think Maxwell's hard done by, but this is a time where I think they do need... There's an element of needing to back a few guys that they just think might, might have a crack, and I, I just can't get too upset when there's no... Absolute. We're not talking about Jamie Siddons or Cox or all these guys. Like no, the are they record Tremaine in that. Like, Tremaine fifty wickets. He lapped Sids last year in the same team. And yeah, the last three enough. years, he's had one hundred and twenty. I mean, I love seeing Sids back. Well, in the I thing. think I think yeah. Jai Richardson was even more unlucky personally. Yeah, but, well, but that's that's yeah. an interesting point. Richardson was taken to South Africa because he had extra pace. Why wasn't he taken on this tour? Has he lost his pace from that tour to this tour? Exactly, he throws his hands up. That's what I mean. And then come the first test of the summer, Head and Lobbiscagney might not even be in the frame. So I just think they've lost their way, the selectors. You know, Langer says he wants to make it hard to get into the Australian team, mm. yet the pecking order just changes every every selection meeting. So it's really maddening. And, uh, yeah, I'm frustrated. As a bloke who has to spell his name and sometimes pronounce it on air, I'm really ha- I'd be really happy if that Labashogny never gets anywhere near the team because <laughs> I think it's Labashonge, but I'm not sure where the well, G I went, goes. I listened to our News Corp associate Crash Craddock yeah. uh, talk about the pronunciation, and Lab- he that's what he says. He's been told. So. Has it got an African? No, he's not African. He couldn't speak English when he you, came to Australia. So you put a bit of barbed wire in the back of your mouth. His teacher, when he arrived at yeah. primary school in Brisbane, age yeah. 10, the teacher told him to get his rubbers and rulers out and he didn't know what they were talking about. Is that some sort of like little double entendre there, is it? No, it's an anecdote from a oh, story okay. that I've written. Yeah. Yeah, I read it. Yeah. <laughs> what was the story I heard? Crash was saying about Michael Nisa that he got held up in the car 
when he was in South Africa. Carjacking. Yeah. He got held up in the car. They, so they, the people stole the car. They're all waiting by the side of the street. And then someone came and robbed them while they were waiting beside the road. And that's why they decided to leave South Africa. Right. I don't think there's anyone in South Africa who hasn't been carjacked, <laughs> is there? Um, Kepler Vessels tells a very frightening story about last time he was back there driving back from the airport early in the morning. Mm. Looks up, you know, there's barrels on fire in the middle of the road, and then these guys just, ru- and he slows down. These guys rush out and throw r- big rocks right at his head mm-hmm. as he's driving, and he just bounced off the roof, like just got around the, you know, he reckons he was a dead man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a tough place over there, Menace. Yeah, very tough place. Australians have Poor farmers are suffering. Anyway, do you think, last question Peter on this um, tour to the UAE, I just pose a question. Do you think that. Australia could look at playing three spinners in a test match. If no. you ask Mitchell Johnson, they should be. They <sighs> did do it the last time, the last test they played in Asia, which was in Bangladesh last year. They had Lyon, O'Keefe and Agar, and they won. But they did take a fairly big risk in that test in terms of leaving Pat Cummins out on his own. Luckily, Cummins got through, but that's the that's one risk that you take is Mitchell Stark, they need him desperately for the summer and it's probably too great a risk to leave him on his own. Especially when your all-rounders only just started yeah, bowling exactly. in, yeah. in Marsh. Uh, it's not the sort of conditions you play three spinners in, to my mind. Last time Australia were there, it's just it's slow and low. It, it's not a raging turner. Hmm. Yeah, And what, 40, 40 wickets to spin last time? Yeah. yeah. No, 38 of the 40, was it? Something like that? Well... It went to spin, and almost everyone was a straight ball. Yeah, yeah. but Australia just bowled badly across the board. I mean, uh, the I'm, leading wicket-taker was... I was talking about their batting, mate. Yeah. <laughs> but in terms of... You're saying it, it's not uh, necessarily a turning turning paradise. Yeah. I mean, Australia just got it wrong no matter who was bowling last time. So, oh, um, yep, yep. yeah, look, I, you know, I, I think probably two spinners too quick is, is the safe bet. There was a couple of series in a row there where Australian batsmen could not play anything that was slow and straight. I remember from the last series, Mizba Al-Haq hitting the fastest test century against Australia Yes, in that series. We, very much uh, amazing to <laughs> see that. It was Pogo City, that one, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And the I double still, hundred. I still think O'Keefe bloke. should yeah. be over there in this tour. I know he's not popular within Cricket Australia, but I think... He's not a yes man, and part of the problem with the culture of Australia is they want everyone to be a sheep and just follow the pack. Well, when that happens, you get things like what happened in South Africa where everyone's too afraid to step up. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break. Before we take a break, I just want to remind you all, please, if you can rate and review the Cricket Unfiltered podcast and subscribe on an app. If you if you subscribe on an app, you'll get every new episode straight to your phone. So great apps include Pocket Cast, the new Google app, the Apple Podcast app. There's a lot out there, so try one of them. If you want to contact me or the show on Twitter, I'm at a menace. All right, we're going to take a quick break now. When we come back to the break, I couldn't resist but playing the audio of James Anderson crying at the end of the the fifth test, talking about his great mate, Alistair Cook. You're going to miss him, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's uh, he's my best mate and um, he's been... (laughs) He's been brilliant, like, just to be there for me all the time. (laughs) Well done, mate. I'll leave you there. Terrific stuff. Welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. That was James Anderson on Sky Sports welling up, talking about Alastair Cook. I'm here with Pete Lawler and Ben Hornet. 
There's been quite a spate of people tearing up in press conferences this year. Had the Aussie players in, after South Africa, had James Anderson here, a couple of rugby league players. I'd like to consider it my journalistic specialty. I mean, you'd obviously rather be a big newsbreaker or, you know, <laughs> big thundering opinions, but I've got a real knack for making people cry in press conferences. <laughs> Who have you made cry? Tim Cahill this year. Did you? What'd Michael you do? Clark at Ricky Ponning's retirement press conference. Was that conference. you, was it? Yeah. yeah. Well done. Yeah. I'm an assassin. I'm feeling quite emotional right actually, now. He's actually known as the onion in the industry. <laughs> yeah. Look out, the onion's in the room. Oh, yeah. So the, the series ended 4-1 to England. It wasn't quite the uh, great performance by India we thought might happen, but... It was better than, the, better than 4-1, though, mm. wasn't it? I mean, I fell away in the last test, but yes. Coley was extraordinary. And their, their quicks... We're good too. They're going to pose a threat this summer. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, look, it's funny. Like, I mean, I know it's sort of a boring topic, but the conditions that we get served up in this summer are really going to be critical, I think. I mean, if they're, I suppose there's two ways to look at it. My personal view is if the wickets are really flat, as they have been for the last few years, then it's going to really suit India. I think, you know, those guys like Coley can really set in and our bowlers will get very tired and by the fourth test will be quite weary. So I think the conditions need to do something, even though that also won't suit our own batsmen. I just think like we've got to play to our... Australia would need to play to their strengths, which is the bowling. I reckon Australia got to play out of their skin to win. Mm. I don't reckon they start favourites. Yeah, but you're right. If we produce flat decks that turn a bit towards the end, that'll play right into But English. I have heard people pose the opposite argument, which is if the ball's moving, then our batsmen are stuffed. So... It, it really depends on um, how full the glass is, I suppose. But um, i got a hunch the ball's not going to move, mate. i got a hunch <laughs> the decks are going to be boring and the ball's going to be boring because it always bloody is. You know, you know yeah. what's and been... they always are. You know, And, and they've taken the day-night test mm. out of the out What's of interesting the, the is table. now that there seems to be quite a public shift by the players to go on record and say that they prefer the Duke's ball. It started with Pete Neville on this podcast. But since then, there's been, been a bit more publicity that the Duke's ball is overtaking our beloved Kookaburra as the best ball in the world. Yeah, I, I think... In um, my opinion. I think Cricket Australia, I don't know this for a fact, but I think they'd be getting to the point where they'd be extremely tempted to introduce the Dukes here full-time. It, it, it hasn't happened yet, and I, I checked in about it for this um, season, and it won't happen. But, um, yeah, the, the player feedback would suggest that's what the players want, and I don't think Cricket Australia have a whole lot of patience for Kookaburra either. Yeah, it's not a CEO's ball, though, is it? Winds the test up a bit quicker because it mm. moves around. Yeah. Mm. It's hand-stitched, well, though, the Duke's ball. and I There, think there that, are two that, Duke's balls there, aren't there? There's mm. the, yeah, there's an English Duke's and, and a Aussie. West Indian Duke. Yeah. And we use the West Indian Duke in Australia, don't we? Is that yes, right? because right, the yep. England one wouldn't, it's a bit harder. wouldn't stand up to the abrasiveness of the pitches, so that's why they go with The, the... abrasiveness of the Australian culture, did you say? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It just sort of... We don't let up. foreign Rub... balls into our country. Yeah. All right, so let's continue my completely transparent cultural review of Australian cricket. My good friend Pat Howard was speaking to Ben Horn last week, and this is a really interesting comment. This is what Pat had to say. I'm in charge of men's and women's teams and underage teams, so I guess if the environment had been the same everywhere, then I would have a different view. But I don't think problems have been consistent across all the teams. Mr Lawler, thoughts on that defence? Speechless, yeah. absolutely speechless. Cannot believe that he would defend himself in that way. Really, what sort of a defence is that? I know. He's, I just... I, 
His 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 job is team culture. That's his. You know, they're the number one team. Uh, it only one out. It only happened in one out of three of my teams. He says. So don't blame me. Oh, sorry, pal. Really? And what was his other excuse? That's only and there's not too much pressure to win because he it's denied only... pushing a win at all cost mentality. And the KPI is wins are about twenty five. So winning's only twenty five percent of what he's concerned about, yeah. and um, the men's team's only half of what he's concerned about. Uh, sounds like one of his statistical spreadsheets to me. I, I was really surprised because I, I thought that Pat was the sort of guy who would take responsibility where it was due, and he needs to take some responsibility for what's happened when he's been in charge of the team, but uh, he hasn't. I'm intrigued by this winning percentage and this win-at-all-cost mentality because it, it is a key part of this cultural review, isn't it, Pete? I mean, that's one of the things that they're really mm. going after. Cost, yeah. And I see, uh, to me, that's not the biggest issue, though. Like, I mean, I think that Australian cricket, with its history, expects to win, and it's a professional sporting organisation. I think, I mean, I don't know how you don't set out to win. Um, you know, obviously, mm. things will be examined. But I think the problems are outside of that, personally. I don't think that's that should be the biggest focus. Uh, yeah, I, I can understand some focus on it in mm. saying, you know, like, was there too much pressure on these mm. people? Answer, oh, clearly yes. Mm. Um, and had winning become more important than anything else? So it's a fair question to ask, but there are other issues, you're right, that are more important. Well, I mean, I was speaking to a former player who was saying that the incentives that were put in contracts for winning, which was done. Yes, yeah. They were introduced by Pat Howard in the previous MOU. Yeah, I mean, they were saying that, look, regardless of that being there or not, I mean, in no way would that have ever factored into his mind when he went out onto the field, as in, like, oh, there's going to be another 100 grand in my bank account if I win here. Like, at no point would that ever have been a factor. All the players say that, don't Mm. they? Yeah, what a ridiculous thing to... uh, The carrot is you'll get a bit of extra money to win. I mean, that's why you get out... That's why you play the game, Mm. is to win, isn't Mm. it? Yeah. I thought. I also think it but does. But not at all costs. Go back mm, yeah. to an acceptance of the fact that our team is going to lose, and maybe it doesn't seem to be accepted in the back rooms. And there's, you know, at every loss, there's recriminations, or you know. But I go back to Hobart 2016, when mm. I think that is probably when things started to really go wrong. Because I think if you look clearly, then. It was clear the Lehman and Smith combination was not working. It's easy, obviously, to look through the lens of history and say that, but it, it clearly wasn't because of what happened. You know, you, can you imagine if Langer had been brought in there to take Smith under his wing as a very young captain mm, before it point. got out of hand? Mm. And instead, players like Peter Neville and Adam Voges and Callum Ferguson were the scapegoats of that catastrophic loss. But I think... If you go back to that test in Hobart, that's when thing, things went wrong. And as I said, it's easy to say now, but the Lehman-Smith combination didn't work. And that, that's just a fact. Well, I think um, in hindsight, that would have been a good time for a new coach. Um, I, and that, that's a bit rich for me to say because I certainly wasn't saying it at the time. Mm. Um, this is just something I'm saying in hindsight. But I think maybe that, that was a time for change at that level. If you ask Darren now... He realises he shouldn't have done that extra term. Mm. That you know, we were all surprised when he was he was signed on ahead of time, wasn't it? It was around the World Cup, wasn't it? He was signed on in Sri Lanka after they'd just been smashed in the first test. 
Yeah, signed on for another three years, and it was well ahead of the mm. contract coming due. Mm. And it was a surprise to everyone, including Justin Langer, who thought he might have been a chance for the job then. Mm. And I think on reflection now, I think Weeman realises he shouldn't have done another term, but Howard wanted his plans in place to push him through like that. I just want to get back to one quick thing about the winning culture and Hobart. Mm. I reckon uh, it, there's a degree of hypocrisy for us to talk about the win-at-all-cost mentality when in the media we demand they win. We smashed them in Hobart for that performance. We smashed them when they lose, smashed mm. them in 10-11 mm. when they lost the Ashes. I mean, the public the public do have a demand that they yeah. they win and, and the media it reflects that, no end, yeah. if not cheerleads it. So you have to hold your hand up a bit and, you know, the longer in the tooth I get, the more I re-examine mm. how I've, I've covered these things. And that's even, you know, talking about the... Um, whether they're good blokes or not anymore, you know. I ask myself, should I have should I have made more noise about their behaviour earlier? But I, you know, I suppose I didn't. And and now you go, maybe we should have made less noise when they lost. I don't know. Maybe we just keep it in a bit of a perspective. What mm. do you reckon, Ben? Well, it's a it's an interesting one. I mean, that's sort of what you've said there is sort of why I don't see the wing at, winning at all costs mentality as being so much of a problem yeah. for cricket Australia because I think. They could easily argue that that that's sort of the environment that the Australian cricket team is in, whether you like it or not. That's mm. what the public expect. That's what the media expect. If they hadn't told the players that you're not you're not paid to play, you're paid to win. Mm. That was an alleged comment to Ricky. But Pompey should the people that run mm. Cricket Australia be reacting to the media headlines all the time? I mean, yeah. That's, uh, no, <laughs> no, no, they shouldn't. They shouldn't. No, I think the media's job is to react and cover and and. Mm headlines sell papers whereas if the selectors and the the coach and the high performance manager are just taking all that stuff on board that's not really the media's problem you know you're not gonna you know you're not gonna sell papers by saying oh we lost again well done i mean i think that hobart test was our fifth or sixth loss in a row so all right it it is true that you know the disasters are never as disastrous losses are never as disastrous and the great wins are never as great i suppose but very um, philosophical (laughs) But sometimes they are like Hobart. All right, uh, <laughs> Gideon yeah. Hay, Gideon Hay from the Australian, writing about the twin reviews commissioned after the South Africa tour and responding to some curious comments by Mark Taylor that suggested the findings of the review review may not be made public because they are too juicy. Gideon asks, one would have thought the review deserved the widest possible circulation. What is the point of this review if it's if its details aren't made public? I couldn't agree more. I I can't believe that it's a possibility that it won't be made public. Yeah, I think I I've had an indication since, and I think they're re- reacting to our reaction on that. That I think it will be. Mm. I hope so, but it's not in their nature. No, they are opaque by nature, manners. Yeah, mm. but yeah, you're right. I mean, what is the point? What is the point of doing it if it's not a sort of warts and all? Here it is all on the table. Yeah, I really think that that's, yeah, that has to be the case. Uh, I think Cricket Australia, it's going to be a very challenging uh, summer. You know, there's a lot of issues still floating around there. And uh, despite all the positivity around new era of broadcasting, Mm. underneath it all, there's a lot of problems. And they go straight up from the selectors to the board through the high performance department. So um, I think you guys will be busy this summer. You know what I'm really looking forward to this summer? The first player 
who rips he, who kisses his helmet when he gets to thirty. That's <laughs> going to be a 30, great moment. Raises the bat. Raises the bat. <laughs> you know, mum and dad crying in the crowd because he's on debut and he's made thirty. I guess my one thing is though I want. <laughs> well, to... I mentioned this to one of the England journalists, and they say thirty is enough to get blokes in the England team at the moment as well. So we might not be alone. <laughs> We aspire um, to 30. <laughs> but just, you know, about that review, Smith, Warner, Bancroft, Lehman, they're all out of a job now. Uh, their careers have been completely turned on their head by what's happened. And they obviously take a large amount of responsibility, especially a couple of those players. But I just feel there would be a huge element of injustice if the review isn't made public so we can sort of see where they went wrong with the player dispute, where they went wrong with the TV negotiations and, and fix Australian cricket. Yeah, don't know if we'll find out much more about the TV negotiations. The, the, yes. I should make We're, it clear. That our, the chairman sledging the head of CBS at Channel 10. Yeah, yeah good uh, He was under pressure though. No, it's pick hard on work it. being a chairman out there in the hot sun all day. Yeah, very hard, very hard. All right, so let's end this quickly. Exciting week, maybe the best day of my life yesterday. The Fox Cricket Channel has finally kicked off. And although this is the News Corp podcast and they own 75% of Foxtel, no one has given me any direction. I've always wanted a 24-hour cricket channel. So <laughs> finally it has happened. I started off watching the highlights of the Australia v South Africa test from 1994 at the SCG. And I remember... They opened the doors for that last day with Australia needing about 50 or 60 to win. And I'd never seen an Australian test victory in person. And my young self ran into the SCG ready to see Australia storm to victory in person. And we collapsed to the South Africans. It was one of the most horrific mornings of my life. But, you know, I got to relive it yesterday. So good times. You should move to India, mate. They've got a few dedicated cricket channels over there just mm. replaying... Um, Legends. Robert Craddock's cricket yeah. legends like it's Gilligan's Island. It's just round and round again. <laughs> Crash. <laughs> Crash and Mike. Crash and Sir Gary. <laughs> Crash and... <laughs> Latest signings for Foxtel. Both Healy's are with Foxtel. Ian and Elisa. Elise Perry has signed with Foxtel. Mitch Johnson broken by Ben Horn here. Don't know how you got that story. They're with Foxtel. Mark Howard from the Howie Games with Foxtel. Channel 7 are going to be left, and I'm glad Lisa's not here. It's the Laker who was supposed to be here from Channel 7. Foxtel are just signing up all the stars. Who's going to be left for Channel 7, just AFL commentators? Yeah. Um, <laughs> is, is Mitch doing Channel 7? Mitch Johnson's doing Foxtel. There's no one left for Channel okay. 7. He's doing the ABC as well, I think. I think he's only doing two tests, though, mm. isn't he? Yeah, he's, I'm not sure what his commitments are with Fox Sports, but um, you yeah. know, I think fair to say a fair few Scorchers games over there in Perth. He's and, taken um, up motor car racing, did you know? He had his first right. race the other weekend, uh, put it into the um, kitty litter on the <laughs> corner seven, got out of shape. Wow. Had to get towed out, a bit embarrassing, but not bad for his first race. He's, he's got another excited. one coming up at the end of the month. Yeah, Formula 1000. He's very excited about pushing a you know, a few batsmen out of the commentary box, I think, and getting that fast bowling DNA in there. He's a good man. What are you guys up to now, cricket-wise? Well, getting ready for the weekend's grade cricket action, I guess. Uh, going to head out to Sutherland? Point. Well, that's because we've got Steve Smith at Sutherland and David Warner at Coogee. Yes. and uh, Which one will you go to, Ben? I'll be at Coogee, I believe. And More convenient for me as well. Yeah, um, I used to go. Oh, last time I went down there was to watch Simon Cadditch bat. 
And uh, otherwise, I guess the UAE tour is coming up very quickly. The Australian team leave tonight, as we tomorrow night, sorry, Wednesday, Wednesday yeah. night, um, in in from Sydney to Dubai. They got a long time over there before their practice match, ten days before the tour game. Uh, then the the test starts, test series starts on October seven. So, looking forward to that. And despite the controversy about the team, um, be yeah, a really interesting side to see go out there, see how they see how they go. Yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. To be honest, going over the UAE first first test of the new regime, the new era. Mm, Baby uh, steps that will Tim be. Payne they can't doesn't... do any. They can't do any worse than a very good, a reasonably good team that went over there last time. Good smash two 0 Yeah, um, a smash. With I hope that. Payne doesn't break a finger because news coming out today that Peter Neville has broken a finger. Neville's done a finger. Fortner's so, done a hammy. Or a... So, so if uh, Payne were to get injured, you know, you're looking at Wade or Carey coming into the test side. I think it'd be Alex Carey. Yeah, I think so too. Mm. All right, he so had a good year with a bat last year, Matty Wade, didn't he? he made three tons oh, for absolutely, Victoria. Absolutely, yeah. There's... How many thirties did he make though? Oh, good point. He's, yeah. um, yeah. Well, did I read somewhere that Matt Wade's going to possibly give up the gloves in four day cricket? Really? Yeah, coming all rounder. He's a handy. No, I think medium. just concentrate on his batting. Like perhaps realizing that if he is to have an mm. avenue back, maybe uh, people have been saying that about Matt Wade for some time. I mean, he's a seriously good batsman. He's a good bat. Hey, he can bowl too. Mm. I've seen him bowl. He, he's mm. mid one thirties. He bowled in a test in Hobart. Mm. Remember that? Yeah. Yep. You know, remember who kept that that game? Phil Hughes. Yeah, it took the gloves while uh, Wade had a bowl. Yeah, there's a Phil Hughes. There's a person that was absolutely shafted by the selectors. A few times. Yeah, well, he went on the last tour of UAE and didn't play. Who did play? Well, Maxie got the second test, didn't he? Batted at three, I think. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, it's... um. Who did he replace again? Alex Doolan. Alex Doolan. All right, well, let's end this podcast. I wanted to tell a quick story about when I was busted by Bob Simpson. Now... Justin Langer's first coach was Bob Simpson, and Bob Simpson was a noted taskmaster and uh, always knew what was going on in the Australian team. So uh, Bob Simpson and I had a mutual friend, and I was invited to the the hotel where the Australian team was staying and have an afternoon crownie. That was the, the beer of choice at the time. for the Where Australian are team. we? Uh, so we'd be mid-90s, yeah. just before Simo Which left. Which town? What? Which town? A uh, Sydney in Sydney, the in yeah. the rocks in uh, the hotel they used to stay there. The Key West. Yeah, that's it. And um, having a beer with I think Bob Simpson was there. I think it was Ian Healy and Swampy Jeff Marsh. Uh, maybe Booney was there. And I was there with my parents. And you know, I walk in and I sat now down next to Simo. You can imagine how excited I was. I'm next to the Australian mm. coach. There's Test players in the room. It was just giddying stuff. Bob Simpson turns to me and looks at my neck and says, has there been a girl kissing your neck, young man? And lo and behold, I realised I had a hickey on my neck. And, you know, some poor young girl had fallen victim to my charms. And, I, you know, I was so embarrassed and I, I was, my eyes were darting from side to side. My parents were there, you know. Heels. How old are you, man? Is it I was this about point? 15. Oh, right. uh, Swampy okay. was, you know, everyone yeah. was looking at me and I said the stupidest thing ever. I said to Simo, oh, no, I think a cricket ball just got me there at training. And he looked at me and he said, I'm the Australian coach. I know what a cricket ball looks like. That's not a cricket ball. And I went <laughs> as something red. In the something <laughs> column, as they say. I went as red as a tomato, completely embarrassed. I don't think I said another word for the time I was there. But I fell victim to Bob Simpson's detective work. 
he, he wasn't known as being a soft character. <laughs> he's from Marrickville, mate, born in Illawarra Road, a few houses from the first house I owned. There mm. should be a plaque on that place. Bob Simpson grew up here. here Made his first hundred in Marrickville. Got his first black eye from a short ball. Yeah. Well, he gave me a metaphoric black eye because I skulked out of that hotel room very sheepishly. And Bobby. then I can show my face there again. <laughs> All right, listeners, we are going to end Cricket Unfiltered here. Just for wait this... till you get home, young men, as he's, your dad was saying. <laughs> well, yeah. yes. and Who was oh, the girl? Can we send... I don't know, some poor, poor girl, I guess. There um, were so many of them. Yeah, well, like, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I just lost count. Uh, it's certainly more girls than hundreds, hey, that's Menace, for sure. Can I just point out, your dog's got... Uh, we're broadcasting from Mena's uh, studio where he's a 16-year-old dog. How big is it? Three inches by four inches? Two kilos. It weighs two kilos. kilos. It's the smallest dog I've ever seen. Foxy Alice. And it's got a hot water. A a A hot hot blanket. Yeah. A hot electric blanket thing. Yeah, very precious. 45 degrees. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, the other way. It's a sunny day. It's Fahrenheit. Oh, it's Fahrenheit. Otherwise, she'd be cooking. She's she's tiny, isn't she? She is tiny. There's a farewell to cricket there. There's Tim May's Aussie jumper. Ben Horn's waiting for a call from Steve War. So I guess we'll end the podcast. Uh, Next podcast, I have Australian (laughs) women's vice captain, Rachel Haynes, on the show. Um, So that should be good in the build-up to the summer, kicking off with the women's T20 series. I thought Lisa was going to be on this show, Lisa Stalaker. So Lisa did call me up this morning. She's very sick. She couldn't make it. Really croaky throat. Right. Um, So you got sloppy seconds in, did you? Well, you Horn. know, yeah. we could have done it, Pete, but I thought yeah. so much good stuff from Ben Horn in the last week. We should get him on. Shadow podcaster. Yeah. So, guys, uh, Pete, thank you so much for coming on the show and coming to the home studio. It's It's been a thrill, <laughs> an absolute thrill. But a bit, bit disappointed that Lisa wasn't here, but anyway. Same. But, uh, Ben, thanks Got for... Got to meet the dog. What's the dog's name? Alice. Hi, Alice. <laughs> uh, Benny, thanks for coming uh, at the last minute to the show. Oh, yeah, I feel really welcome. Thanks very much. Um, it's been terrific. <laughs> How are you getting back to your house? <laughs> I guess I'm walking, aren't I? <laughs> I've got a car. All right, listeners, that's it for Cricket Unfiltered this week. I'm your host, Andrew Mental. You've been listening to Pete Lawler from The Australian, Ben Horn from The Daily Telegraph. Those are the both places to keep up with all your cricket news. We'll be back right. soon with another show. We'll be right back.